Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Delighted to went, uh, welcome Joanna Fortune with us for parenting today, as always. Good to see you. Good to see you too, Tom. You must be inundated at the moment, are you? Back to school. It's busy season, it is. And you know what? The next couple of weeks will, because everybody's going to have their ups and downs in the coming weeks, because it's always an adjustment. We're, we're, for us adults, never mind for the kids. But you know, in the next few weeks, if your little people have some ups and downs, that's quite normal. You know, just give them a few weeks to settle in and routine, regulate will, for not everyone, but for most of them, will kick in in the next few weeks. I look forward to hearing the kids who say they're dying to go back to school. Did you, uh, do any of those children exist or is that I a... had a very excited little person to go back to school, but I think it's a certain stage of school Yeah, I think well. it goes away when they're When you're younger and it's really exciting. I think when the demands on you in school are higher, yeah. it's understandably harder to be motivated Fair to enough. bounce out of bed at I'm 7 willing to go in their place. <laughs> You know, I, I look at where they go and what they do. I'm willing to go in their place. I, you know? Yeah, maybe that's how we should do education. Maybe Lucky we should them. do it later. <laughs> it's all I can say. Five three one zero six. Your text going to start you off straight away, Joanna. Um, afternoon, guys. My son has recently learned the word "why," which is a huge milestone, and we're all delighted. However, it has now resulted in every statement being followed by the word "why." There are a few cute times, like when he asked why we put milk in the cereal, but it's now becoming an issue and a bit of a pain, especially when we try to discipline him. Uh, recently, he was acting up when we were out for lunch, and when I told him to stop or try to reason with him, I got a why response back. <laughs> this is really testing. It's okay for us to laugh. Um, this is really testing my patience. He's only three. So that means it's 15 more years yeah. of this. <laughs> uh, but I really want to nip this in the bud for the sake of everyone in the house. I want this parent to write back in to us because if they manage to nip this in the bud, I think that's a strategy I'd really like to hear. Yeah. He's three. That sums up this whole question. He's a curious, eager to learn toddler. Everything is new to him. And it's I, I'm going to say this because it's true. It's actually lovely that he's curious. It shows that he's open, he's creative, he's, you know, hungry for information and he's going to do stuff with that. And he might why you a couple of times and why your why and, you know, go and go with it. And sometimes the honest answer is, I don't know. Okay. That is, we don't, sometimes I think we hear all the whys from our young children as demands that we need to have the answers and we can feel like we're coming up short if we're like, I really don't know the answer to that or I've run out of answers to this or that's enough questions for right now. We'll come back to it later. You can do that. And it really is, though, because what jumps out at me here, Tom, is this is really testing my patience. I really need to nip it in the bud. It's becoming an issue and a bit of a pain. This is about increasing, as a parent, your patience and tolerance. Um, stepping back from it. Yes, I mean, look, at we all have our saturation point. Okay, so we need to get playful with this because there is that point where you are saying, I just don't know anymore. You might want to respond with things like, great question. I wonder what you think the answer is. I wonder what you think the reason is. Make up something outrageous and fun. Make it really obvious it's funny and you're going down down that route, you could say, I don't know, let's make up answers and see who can come up with the funniest or the craziest answer here. Let's find out in the library. You can't be running to the library constantly. So you might want to say, let's put it in our why book and we'll take the why book to the library the next time we're going and we will find out all the whys. There is, and I say this as a parent more than a professional, there is a podcast called But Why. Um, it's a podcast for curious kids. 
Really? And it's really quite lovely. And there are all kinds of whys on there. And young, very young children um, submit questions and they get experts in to answer the whys. So, and you'll learn a lot yourself from it. That's a nice one to listen to. Britannica do a lovely book called The First Big Book of Why. There's a lot of answers in there. And National Geographic do a gorgeous one called Little Kids First Big Book of Why. And both of those are lovely. But I'm just going to add in at the end of this one, you said he asks why, especially when you try to discipline him. Now, that's a caveat for me because children do need a why when it comes to discipline, because saying stop it. Yeah. Or because I said so doesn't teach them. Or what that's they did the why. The, the one, the small Dublin book on parenting called That's the Why. Uh, <laughs> why? That's the why. <laughs> the one minute long that's podcast. True. That's the why. Um, yeah, that, that's the, but it doesn't teach them what the they did wrong. So the scoundrel, though, isn't it? But they're not able to learn from no. it. You know, so if I'm three and I do something wrong and I wasn't aware I was doing something wrong and you discipline me and I say, why? Why am yeah. I in trouble? And you say, just because or all of those answers, then I walk away from that going, I am none the wiser as to what I did wrong here. And okay. I'm definitely going to do that again. So we do need to give them a why. Can be, can be short and hard. succinct. Now, I know this child's only three. Um, yeah. So the chance of getting into a you know, nuanced discussion. Or a on, debate. On, or you did it. Or, you know, it's all right for you, to, which can happen. And sometimes it is because yeah. the same rules don't apply to adults yeah. as they do to children. And that's a really hard truth. But yeah, sometimes I do that and I'm telling you not to do it. And that must be very confusing for you. But this is what we're doing. Here's what you can do instead when you feel like that in the future. That's very close to that's the why at the end. I know, but there's yeah. a lot more words in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair that's enough. That's the why. I'm going to yeah. put that somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. I have to say, the, uh, he is only three. He is only uh, three. And, and playing with that curiosity of his. And, oh, it's and really where lovely. It goes. I mean, beautiful. you want your children to be curious. You yeah. really do. So, curious children will learn, curious children are creative, and they will play. So use play to get through the whys. Great. Might be a bit exhausting. but No um, doubt. But you'll be able to go to those podcasts and books which sound absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So well done. Uh, right, then hope that works. This one from a long time listener says, um, you've helped me a lot over the years, so thank you for the great advice. I have a seven-year-old boy who's going into second class. He's extremely shy in a group environment and it takes him a while to feel comfortable. This can be in family situations with other friends or in school. He does individual type activities like swimming and gymnastics. When he was six, we started soccer with all his school friends. But he dropped out after a few months. He has about more than 20 kids from his school who are now playing soccer with our local team. But he refuses to play. In school, he plays soccer with the same set of kids. When I tried to bring him to the new season of under eight soccer, he refused to go and got very upset. I calmed him down and asked him why he felt like this. And could he explain his feelings? So his explanation was he felt scared. There would be about 60 kids there and he wouldn't know them. Um, it's a big club, lots of kids, very noisy and busy on a Saturday morning. I'm looking for advice on how to handle this. I hugely value team sports, but I don't want to push them too hard. Given that he's very shy in all circumstances, could he have agoraphobia or anxiety? Should I bring in a therapist? Any other advice? Greatly appreciated. OK, so there's a few things here. I mean, we don't, shyness is a personality trait. We don't psychopathologize shyness as something wrong to be fixed unless 
the level of shyness is inhibiting your capacity to go out into the world, engage with life and to live a happy, full life. But shyness in and of itself isn't a thing. And just picking up on the agoraphobia or anxiety, agoraphobia is a type of anxiety disorder in itself. It's where a person is afraid to leave environments that they consider safe. Um, in an extreme situation, it might be that somebody has decided only home is safe and they will not leave home. But it can be restricted to I'll go from home to this place and nowhere else. Sure. So you can see it that way. However, what's in this letter doesn't give me I, that wouldn't be something I, if you hadn't mentioned the word agoraphobia, I wouldn't have said, oh, I wonder, is it agoraphobia? Not at all. I don't see enough here for that. He's out there. He's in school. He has activities. He goes swimming. He goes to gymnastics. He is playing okay, with yeah. other kids. Do you know, I don't see enough here to make me think that I'm not ruling out any underlying anxiety because I don't, you know, there's I don't know him. There might be more to it. But I am hearing and you've done a lovely job with him of inviting him to tell you what's the story of this feeling? You know what? Tell me about what's going on and that you could, you know, help him regulate when he got upset and that you didn't force the issue. That's all lovely because I think it's great that he can recognize what overloads his system. And that he can articulate it to you as a bonus, you know, because he's still very young. So he's seven years old. I think, you know, lots of kids, very noisy whistles blowing, um, kids he does know, kids he doesn't know, everybody talking at different volumes. I think sensory, that can be quite overwhelming for lots of kids. And that isn't his environment. I'm not even going to say it might not be because he's telling you both with his words and his behaviour, that that is not a place he feels comfortable being. So don't force it. I know team activities are important to you. I'm saying activities rather than sports because something I'm going to suggest is maybe you could consider like scouts or something like that where there is a lot of team cooperative, collaborative effort and activity, but it's not the same as like 60, 70, 80 kids on a field on a Saturday morning. So you could try that. I wouldn't force the sports because he is physically active with gymnastics. And I know it's a solo endeavor, but he is there with other kids. Same with the swimming. Mm. So I think I'm not too worried about that. Um, I do think that he sounds like he's getting overwhelmed and I would be going at his pace and being led by him because he might be simply, yes, shy, but also sensitive and sensitive to stimuli that other kids, it doesn't affect them, it is him. So asking him where it feels comfortable and you might want to have a little code with him where it's, you know, green is he's really comfortable, orange is where, you know, there's it's mildly uncomfortable, but it's definitely not out of control. Sure. And red is I don't like this at all and I need to get out of here as soon as we can. And green is great. You'll help and support him to manage orange. And with the red, you'll get curious about what is the issue here? Is that something we can address or let's go and do something else instead? Keep in touch with his teachers. Not yet. Give everyone a few weeks, teachers included, by the way. Everybody's getting to know each other at this stage of the year. But when it comes to if you have a parent-teacher meeting this side of the year, you know, before November, super, wait till then. If not, look for a meeting proactively. Give plenty of notice so that you can check what is their observation of him in class and outside of class. But don't put too much emphasis and pressure on the soccer or the team sport. The fact that he's playing it in school with the same kids who go, great, he clearly yeah. likes it. He can clearly play. That's with smaller numbers, is it? It's smaller numbers and they're all children he knows. Okay. You okay. know, it's it's also within what I imagine is a familiar, safe environment for him, school. 
Sure. So there's a lot of variables there that okay. aren't replicated at the weekend in the more open activity. Where it seems probably more out of control to Yeah, but look into activities that are still group oriented, but not specific to sure. sports like that, like joining us. Now, I don't say that lightly because I'm fully aware of how hard it is to get into organisations like Scouts, but get your name down and see if that would be something he would try for you. Sure. OK. I uh, hope that helps. On to our next question now. 53106, if you have a question yourself. Um, our toddler wants to play mummies and daddies a lot at the moment. But unlike when I was a child myself, she always wants to be the baby and she calls her friend mummy um, rather than wanting to be the mummy herself. I'm concerned about this because I worry she's creating a mother character because she feels she doesn't have one in the real world. I am her mother. So why does she feel the need to create this in the game? Oh, I mean, OK. That sentence, I'm concerned that she's creating a mother. She doesn't feel she has. That is a big stretch. Okay, so I'm going to ask this parent, just hit your internal pause button and take a breath and avoid what I'm going to call wild analysis here. You know, it's play. Okay, and play is very rich and a whole lot goes on in it. There's nothing happening here that would lead you to that conclusion. You know, this is your toddler. okay? so you haven't specified an age, but you're talking about a very young child. Children play out what they know. What she knows is being the child, being the baby, being minded by a mommy in this instance. okay? that's that's familiar. She's playing out what is familiar to her. Healthy, normal, happy play. Nothing of issue there. I also think you should be aware that as she grows up from this, as she hits more five years old, you will see a difference in this type of play with her because there are stages of play that children go through very quickly. The small ones, you know, kind of up to three and a half ish. Don't take that as too rigid a number. Children are different, but they'll play messy play, tactile, sensory, hands on, make a noise. You know, you know, by looking at them, what they're playing, it's all over them. But then they move into a play where it's all about, you know, the little characters in the small world and they have the teddies or Sylvanians or the little dollies or dinos talking to each other. That kind of story play where they're beginning to externalise what's going on outside of them. And then the next stage is about role play when they insert themselves into roles. So she's dabbling in a bit Mm. of this, but she hasn't grown and developed enough for you to see really rich role play. And that's perfectly normal. So when they are inserting themselves into role at that more, let's say, ballpark five upwards to seven, you will see evidence that they are trying on perspectives. They are taking roles like playing out you, playing out teacher, playing out doctors, nurses, vets, you know, Mm. playing out all kinds of roles. It's a way of deepening their understanding and perspective of other people's um, world and viewpoint. She's not there yet. So how she is doing this type of play is perfectly healthy and normal. So please don't worry about this and don't ruminate on it having any deeper or more sinister meaning. Okay, very good. Uh, Finally for you, Joanna, my 15 year old son is about to start his junior cert and he's feeling self-conscious because his voice hasn't broken. Yet most of the other boys in his year have already gone through this stage. How do I reassure him about the situation, I wonder? I'm concerned that it is going to prevent him from speaking up in classes and might make him opt out of extracurricular activities like the play or debating. Yeah, I mean, voices can break 
typically 11 to 15 years old, but it can be later. It can also be a little earlier, by the way, for some kids. Really depends on when they go through puberty, what age they go through puberty. So you're going to know what that is and was for your son. You can certainly talk him through the facts of it. You know, this is normal. It takes time. Not everybody is the same. You could go through all of that about puberty and how it works. But I don't know that that will necessarily reassure him because what's bothering him is his perceived difference. And you can't say, and now you're not, you know, like that. (laughs) So I don't think, just manage your expectations. You can talk with him, you can acknowledge and you can help him understand. But otherwise, I'm going to suggest you support him through his worry and discomfort rather than seeking to reassure and get rid of it for him. I also think he might benefit, though, from a chat with your GP rather than you, because sometimes, especially at 15, um, hearing it from someone who isn't your parent, even if it's the same information that you were going to give Mm. him, can Sure. Be more beneficial because, oh, well, the GP really knows because <laughs> you know, they're in that stage where what do you Absolutely, know about this? Yeah. So I think, you know, maybe talking to your GP, explaining the worry and having making an appointment for him to come in and meet with the GP and be talked through all of this. And if he has worries about himself or his puberty or his growth or his development, that's exactly where he should be talking sure. about it anyway. So it might be no harm. I also think and look, you'll know. If this is something you need to do, it might not be now. It's keep an eye on this, but maybe talking to his year head um, to allow him a pass from speaking in class, just to let the teachers know, look, this is a big cause of anxiety for him. Invite him to speak, but you can he has a little cue that if he gives it, you just move on. You could do that. But when you say, you know, you're worried that it's going to prevent him speaking up in class and extracurricular activities, the play, the debating... I don't know. Is he worried about that? Mm. I don't know. Or is this as a parent, you're preemptively anticipatory worrying about something he hasn't yet voiced? I would say keep an eye on it. Keep and by it, I mean, keep an eye on his level of worry, his level of anxiety, what he's how he's managing the situation. And if you need to escalate it, first go to the year head and say, look, can we come up with a system and then certainly consider the GP. But otherwise, just support him through it. Reassure him that he is growing and developing in exactly the way that he's supposed to be, that it is different for everybody and there isn't an exact age for this to happen. But if he is worried more, why isn't it happening? Offer him the opportunity to go to the GP. Sure. Um, it's normal, but it's horrible to be the one. Oh, I it's think. really yeah. hard. And yeah. I think so much is hard. It, it's hard just to be 15. And really what you want to do is blend in and just fit in with everybody else. So to feel you've anything yeah. that makes you other is very, very difficult. Very good. Uh, Joanna, pleasure as always. Thank you very Thanks much, so much for Tom. that. And as always, if you have more questions for Joanna, she'll be back next week. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm. With Anna Glaze on News Talk.